just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you as we count down the top 10 from 2023. And today we hit number six, which is um, one of the hottest cultural topics uh, in our country, in our world today, and has been up there for quite a while, and it's not going any, any you know, away anytime soon. Uh, and, and, well, let me just show you the book. Uh, this is an updated version of a book that actually came out in 2013 uh, that was updated to really address the, the, the way things have progressed. <laughs> the book is called, Is God Anti-Gay?, and it's written by Sam Albury, who is a, a pastor at Emmanuel Nashville Church in uh, Tennessee. Um, and here's the thing about this interview. This is not just uh, a theological discussion, a philosophical discussion, a cultural discussion. This is a personal discussion. And you need to hear this, <laughs> uh, especially if you're, you're trying to figure out how to deal with this, whether personally personal struggle of your own or uh with a loved one and you want to you want to do both things that jesus did which is walk in 100 percent grace and 100 percent truth uh and, and that's the goal and I, and I do believe this one will help you so enjoy sam albury on life today live thank you so much for having me it's a joy to be with you i i would really love it if you would begin by by telling us some of your own story because uh I, I, it humanizes this struggle that many people go through, uh, and I, I think it's important for people to kind of know the things that you have had to work through in your own life. No, thank you. Um, it's a it's a pleasure to share that story. And I, I became a Christian when I was eighteen. Um, that was many years ago now. And around the same time, I was coming to terms with my own sexuality. I had just begun to to realize that I was attracted to guys and not attracted to girls. And this was back in the 90s. It was a very different world that we we lived in. Um, was becoming aware of that, then encountered Jesus Christ and have been living as a, as a disciple of Jesus ever since then. And a few years ago, started to sort of speak and write a little bit more about my own experiences of sexuality and what it means to to follow Jesus in the context of having those particular attractions. How did you... How did you work through it? Because I mean, it, it's the today's society, the world would tell you, you know, you need to follow your heart. Uh, mm. uh, but instead of doing just that, you you decided to, you know, say what 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 did Jesus say about this? Um, one, why did you even consider that? Uh, and because the easiest thing is to just satisfy our own desires. And and two, what did you find when you looked into it? Yeah, well, I I knew I wanted to follow Jesus. I didn't know much about what that would involve. I knew very little about what that would involve, but I knew that he was someone I could trust my life with um, right from the very beginning. So I found him so compelling. I, I believed that he had died for me and given up his life for me. Um, I believed that I'd come to know the, the one who created me. Um, so I knew I wanted to follow him wherever he led me. 
I didn't know where he would lead me on this. So I started to read the Gospels, started to think about this for myself and to try to understand what he taught and what he had to say and realized he does have things to say about human sexuality. Not always easy things, but but certainly good things, compelling things. So it began to sort of piece together, um, I guess, you know, what, what many Christians have said over the years, that, that, that Jesus teaches marriages between a man and a woman, and that's the only context for for sexual intimacy. It wasn't the message I wanted to hear from him, but I was already persuaded by who he was that he was worth following, even if that was his message. Um, so in that sense, I've, I've never sort of pushed against that. I've I've tried to think carefully about that when people come along from time to time and say, well, I think we may have misunderstood the Bible here. Mm-hmm. I always want to, to be attentive to those arguments. To, it's always possible I've missed something. Um, but I do remain committed to to what I've just articulated as a follower of Jesus. How How did that make you feel? Because feelings are very real for people. I mean, did it make you feel uh, condemned? Did it make you feel sad, you know, like like the rich man who was told to sell everything he yeah. had and give it to the poor, and, and he walked away sad. Uh, what were what were you experiencing, and what have you experienced as you have, as these two things have sort of come up against each other? Yeah, it's been a mixed, obviously it's been a mixture of things over the years. Um, there are times when it, I felt a, a quite a profound heaviness mm-hmm. about my own attractions, and realizing they're not, they're not attractions I'm meant to act on as a follower of Jesus. But alongside that has come the, the sort of reassurance that actually Jesus has hard and challenging things to say to every single one who does follow him. And so I'm not alone in feeling as though, okay, there's a cost here. Um, even in just the area of sexuality, every single friend I have has a lot of sexual feelings they need to say no to. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a challenge in following Jesus. He's very open about that. It's one of the things I found compelling about him. Um, so at times that that's that's felt like a heaviness, um, but it's also felt like a privilege, um, because the more I I get to know Christ, the more you know. You talked about how our our instinct is often to follow our heart. As we come to know Jesus, actually, we we want to start following His heart. We begin to realize His heart is a better a better beacon than our own. So that there's been deep deep joy. Um, alongside some of the heaviness. What, where did that lead you? What, what what has been your path sort of since initially struggling with that? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I'm single. I've I've never um, been romantically involved with, with another guy. Um, I've been open to, if the Lord had, you know, marriage for me, to marriage to a, to a woman, I've, I've often prayed, Lord, if that's, if that's what you have for me, I'll, I'll receive it. But, um, my experience has been one of, of having been single for a, a few decades now, and that has its own ups and downs. Um, but it, it's been far more enriching than I thought it would be. Um, and I've, I've really enjoyed the gift of, of deep friendship with, with a whole range of, of dear friends. Um, so I don't feel starved of intimacy the way I imagined I would hmm. when I began to think about a life of potential singleness. Um, Christian community especially has been has been deeply enriching. The experience of having family through the local church has been very enriching. Um, so there's there's been ups and downs, but as as I see with my close friends who are married, 
they have their own ups yeah. and downs too. Yes, yes, we do, my friend. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt about that. Oh, um, so I'm curious, uh, your thoughts on you know, we there's a song born born this way. Um, what what are your thoughts? I mean, does this a condition of you know the the world of sin we're all born into sin the bible would teach uh or did god create you in a way that he knew you would have to lay down and i mean in a sense we all are i'm just curious the whole because a lot of yeah. people say you know god made me this way which is, is a theological statement you know uh even if yeah you know it's a belief about god you're saying i was i was made this way what are your thoughts on that yeah, but this is where the, the Christian understanding of, of where we come from really helps because we're all the product of two things. We're the product of God's creation and we're the product of, of sin distorting that creation. Mm. So we we must be more nuanced than simply just reading off everything about the way we are and saying, well, God made me this way. Um, I was getting highly irritated with a software update I was trying to install last night. I can't say that irritation, you know, God made me irritable. Um, I, I recognize that's that's something in me that isn't that isn't good. Um, I think one of the most significant things Jesus ever said, and again he says this to every single one of us, was when he said, You must be born again. Mm-hmm. So there is there are certain things that are with us from birth that feel innate to us, that feel natural and instinctive to us, but which are not necessarily morally good. Um, that's the case for every single one of us. We need to be born from above, Jesus says. Um so we're all a product of having been created by God. That's why every single person we meet is amazing on one level. And we're all a product of what Christians call the fall, the, the entrance of, of sin into the world, which is why, as well as everyone we meet being amazing, everyone we meet is also messy. And um, we all have things within us that, that we know in our, our better moments are not right. I think um, if you've, you've been a Christian long enough, you have no doubt heard the testimonies of people who were either saved or what they would call at a later time delivered from things like addiction uh, mm. or anger, you know. Um, do you do you believe that people are delivered from same-sex attraction? And if you, you haven't been, do you have any idea why it would linger? Well, I, I believe God is able to do anything in, in any of our lives. He certainly has the power to deliver us from anything. Uh, that we that we wrestle with and, and struggle with in this world. So we see that in the New Testament. We also see in the New Testament the sort of expectation that there will be temptation in life, that we're not going to be delivered from the experience of temptation. Um, and I know some people where there has been a change in their sexual feelings. I know many people where there, there hasn't been. I know a lot of heterosexual people who wrestle with their own forms of sexual temptation. Sure. So as far as my understanding is, I'm, I'm to flee temptation, I'm to resist it. Um, the Bible doesn't promise me that every form of temptation will be removed in this life. Mm-hmm. But there may be times when God lifts people from, you know, pe- particular temptations. Yeah. So there's there's a bit of mystery to it. Yeah, yes, there is, my friend. <laughs> there, there certainly is. Do you believe uh, temptation itself is sin well that's that's where i i i wouldn't say it is but i wouldn't also say that it's neutral so jesus makes a distinction even in the lord's prayer deliver me from temptation forgive me my sins 
Uh, James makes a similar distinction in James 1 that, that temptation gives birth to sin and then sin gives birth to death. Um, so I wouldn't want to just equate the two with each other, but but James also makes it clear that when I'm tempted, I can't pin it on God, um, that it's coming from my own desires. So the fact that I am temptable in the ways that I am is a sign that I'm fallen. It's a sign that my heart is disordered. Um, I don't think having the capacity to be tempted is a kind of sin in itself, but it is a reflection of the fact that, I, again, I'm, I'm fallen, I need to be born again. Uh, we, we need our hearts and minds to be renewed by the Lord. Okay, let me let me let me challenge that just a bit, if if you don't please mind. do, because, yeah, because Jesus was tempted in all manner, but he mm. was not fallen and he did not sin. Yeah. Uh, so I I would I would posit that perhaps that the temptation is a part of being in the world, but in and of itself, it is not sin. Yeah, and I th- I think there's a there's a wonderful comfort from the fact that Jesus was tempted. He does know what it's like to live in this very broken world. And we're told in Hebrews he was tested in every way, yet without sin. He was like us in all the ways we need him to be like us, and yet unlike us in the ways we need him to be unlike us. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would say that I think the difference between the difference between me and Jesus, there are many differences between (laughs) me and Jesus. But sin, if you like, in in my case, temptation has an, an internal landing pad in my own heart. Um, so my temptations can bubble up from within. In a way, I take it that with with Jesus, temptations could only come to him from from outside. That's fair. So I do I do need to recognise that there are there are things in my own heart that you know are, are open to temptation, if I can put it that way. Sure. Yeah. But uh, you're exactly right. He it it makes Jesus uniquely comforting to us because whatever we're going through. He really does understand us. Uh, he is able to sympathize. I, I, I think people need to hear that. And, I, and I, I'm a bit of a stickler on that issue because mm. um, I, I find a lot of people feel condemnation for their temptation. Yes. When I think the message should be that if you recognize the temptation, instead of following your heart, you, you follow yeah. the heart of God. And, and there's no condemnation in that. That's that's absolutely right. It is it is possible, um, if not sadly always inevitable, for us to respond to temptation in ways that are sinless. Um, we can resist temptation by God's grace. Yeah. So, I think you're right. I wouldn't want someone who's who's fighting temptation and persevering to to follow Christ. I wouldn't want them to be feeling condemned. I'd want them to be feeling deeply grateful and encouraged and affirmed by everybody else that they're, they're fighting the temptation. Mm, yeah, I've heard you say that, that God didn't come you know, to the world just to reward good people. Yes. But he he <laughs> came to save bad people. And I think that's the, the message we really need to hold tightly to in the church. Uh, it, and so that we're not, you know, we don't become the Pharisees who just pray, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like that sinner. Yeah, because absolutely. Because we're, we're, all, we're all fallen but we're all redeemable in Christ. Yes, absolutely. That's so important. Um, this is the book, Is God Anti-Gay by Sam Albury. Uh, you can get it wherever you get books. Uh, it's, it's not too long, but it is very thorough, and it is very scriptural. Uh, and let's answer that question right now, uh, Sam. Uh, is, is God, does God 
I can't use that phrase anymore, but you know, the old, the old signs from the nineties, right? <laughs> Does God hate <laughs> people who aren't straight? Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, if, if there's no hope for our gay friends, there's no hope for any of us because ultimately we're all in the same boat. We're made of the same stuff. It's very clear from that the teachings of Jesus that all of us need to be given grace and forgiveness because of our sins. Actually, all of us, even just purely at the level of sexuality, all of us need the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. So if there's, if there's one kind of sexual sin that Jesus isn't good news for, then he's not good news for any of us. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a sense of solidarity here that, Particulars of each one of us will be very different. Um, the, the particular attractions we deal with, experiences we have, temptations we face, but we're all ultimately in the same boat. Yeah. Um, the gospel does level the playing field. Um, yes. And wonderfully, the, the grace of God is, is available to every single one of us. Um, God's policy towards us is a policy of moving towards us in, in grace and forgiveness, not away from us in condemnation and anger. And perhaps he should be against us, you know, but he, he wonderfully in Christ is for us. Yeah. And that's, that's been my experience. It's, it came as a surprise when I first encountered the message of Jesus. It, it feels still surprising every morning when I wake up and, and think, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm waking up to the, under the grace of God, not under the, the wrath of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not because I'm waking up righteously, I can tell you that. Uh, it's because I'm, I'm because of what God is like, not because of what I'm like. Yeah. Oh, people need to hear that. We all need to know that. Uh, the one question that does come up, uh, and so I want to address it, is the the Old Testament versus the New Testament. The the mm. law of the Old Testament, which said to stone homosexual homosexuals, as well as rebellious children and several other things. Um, we don't live under that law. In Christ, and and sometimes we can we conflate uh, hmm. the the legalism of the law and Judaism with Christianity. Yet, the New Testament is not unclear when it comes to the broad term of sexual immorality, as well as some other specific ones. Um, for someone who is maybe even heard, you I know you've heard the the well in. In the original language, it really only meant, you know, temple prostitution or something like that. Mm. What does the New Testament, what does Jesus say about homosexuality? Yeah, Jesus, interestingly, doesn't doesn't mention it as a, as a category in itself explicitly. It wasn't something that was contested in, in first century Judaism um, in a way that other things were that he did need to speak into. But what he says about human sexuality in general still helps make it very clear for us because Jesus again says that sex outside of marriage is sinful and that marriage is between a man and a woman and that the only godly alternative to marriage is to be single. So even there, there are other parts of the New Testament that explicitly mention and prohibit same-sex kind of sexuality. Even if those passages didn't exist, we would still know enough from the teaching of Jesus to know that that's outside of God's design for us, outside of his best for us. But where the New Testament does speak to it, it always speaks to it in the context of it being something that is prohibited. Um, it also also speaks to it uh, in the context of lots of other sins as well. It, it doesn't single out this sin for, for kind of special or unique um, treatment. So it's good for us to be aware of that as well. Yeah. Oh. Um, 
And it always speaks in the context of broad brushstrokes. It's not saying this, you know, it's only this form of abusive same-sex relationship that is it, that is prohibited. It, it uses much more general language in each of the places where these things are being discussed. So what I'm hearing is is that there is clarity uh, about the the issue. Uh, there is, if- and it, yeah, and it may not always be the clarity we we would choose, but that's that's God's way of being God um, for each one of us. He he doesn't always say what we want him to say, but he does say what is good for us. So for the person who who hears that and they're pushing against it because mm. they, you know, what, whatever belief they may hold to, what what do you say to that person who is who is struggling with it? But man, they've made it this long in the interview, so at least they're a little curious about what God thinks, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, and I get it, totally get it. Um, but that's that's what Jesus says is normal for every single one of us as we seek to follow him. He, he talks about the need for each of us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and follow him. Mm-hmm. So if there, there is not a, a person on the planet who doesn't find that same inner response to the message of Jesus of wanting to push against it. Um, Jesus even says that there are going to be times when following him feels like he's kind of killing us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what the language of taking up your cross means. But we also find through the experience of following Jesus that actually there's there's no life like it. Um, it it does you know it does kill us at times in our hearts to to follow Jesus, but we we realize over time actually he's giving me life. He's not taking life from me. He's giving it to me. Yeah, and that's where I was going next. Cause I want people to hear what because you lived it out. What uh, are the benefits of denying yourself to follow Christ? Well, the, the the obvious biggest one is is we get Jesus. Um, that is the prize. Um, I, I became a Christian because I, I was aware I needed forgiveness. But if I can put it this way, I've, I've stayed a Christian for the forgiver um, just because we find our hearts are captivated by Jesus. Um, the Bible says he is the image of the invisible God. We're, we're seeing all of what God is really like in the person of Jesus Christ. We're also seeing what humanity is meant to be like in the person of Jesus Christ. And so following him actually is not inhumane. It may it may feel painful at times, but actually we discover he's, he's giving us our humanity back. Um, and to have peace with him, he doesn't give us the life we would have chosen. He gives us a life we never would have come up with, but which we can then begin to discover is actually the best life we could have had with him. So worth it? Yes. <laughs> yes, 100%. And, I, and, you know, that's that's the beauty of what you're talking about because, we, you know, you, you, we're front-loading this with, you know, Scripture forbids what I want, forbids my fleshly desires, mm-hmm. my natural desires, I, you could even say, uh, and, and I need to kill myself, <laughs> not literally, Don't please don't hear that, uh, spiritually, yes. but be born, be born again, which is mm-hmm. new life, new hope, and... I just, it, it's beautiful that you are, you know, years down the road from going through that process and able to testify that mm. it's a better way. Uh, I, what, 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 is, what is your message? Because I know people, I'm sure, since you've written all these books, that you, you get people who are not just wanting to argue. The argumentative people don't want to listen usually, but some people that are genuinely curious uh, because they're struggling in this area. What What's your message to those people? 
Yeah, my message, I've been a Christian for 30 years now this summer. Um, I still feel new to it. Kind of, you know, it, you, it, that hasn't changed. Um, but he is, he's worth it. He really is worth it. I mean, he, he himself says that even in this life, it's worth following him. Um, even with the, the various costs that come with following him, he's always worth it. He always gives far more to us than he demands from us. Um, and as we were talking about earlier, he he's a, a sympathetic saviour. He's, he's near to us. He cares for us. He feels for us. And he loves to give us grace and help. There's always more grace in Jesus than there is need in me. And mm. so I can plant both my feet on Christ and know that he will he will deliver. And there are many wonderful things in this world, but none of them are going to be enough to carry the full weight of my whole life. But Jesus can. I have one last question for you, and it's for the, the Christians, those of us mm. uh, who maybe don't know how to even speak on this topic. Before I ask you that question, I want to point out your website, samalbury.com. It looks just like that, so you can go, you can read more about him, you can get his books, uh, hear some things, um, some other messages, some good encouragement, and, and really addressing this thing from a solid scriptural viewpoint, uh, but also a message of hope and redemption, which is what everyone needs to hear out of this. My last question for you, though, Sam, is to those Christians who either don't know how to talk on this topic, to talk to their loved one, their friend who is is gay or any of the other letters of the alphabet all the way down to the plus, maybe have done it wrong in the past. Mm. What, What do you think they need to hear so that they can better express God's heart to everyone. Yeah, yeah. None of us will have done this perfectly because we're we're imperfect people. God wonderfully uses imperfect people, so we we must always trust in that. I think my the rule of thumb that has most helped me is don't don't say to someone what you can't say to everyone. No one wants to feel singled out mm. and got at. Mm. So if if we're talking to a, a someone who's close to us who would identify as gay or something like that. Uh, don't be sort of you and you versus me kind of language, but but all of us together, we're all made of the same flesh. Yeah. Yeah. And and showing, you know, the old adage, it's one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. God is being kind to me. If God can be kind to me, he can be kind to anyone. Uh, yeah, a beautifully scriptural answer there. And something we it, we it requires humility on the part of Christians, which we're not always good at. Uh, but man, Sam, I I appreciate you. I appreciate the spirit in which you come and the message that you bring, and most of all, your your love for Christ. It, it's reflected. I can see it. Thank you, sir. Well, it's a it's a privilege to spend this time with you. So very good, and I think you can see why this was one of of the top ten viewed interviews from the last year. Uh, this sets a lot of things, I think, in a proper perspective where we, where we can speak the truth in love. That's what the Bible says. And, and you know, with the, the Holy Spirit, you got to have the Holy Spirit because in the flesh, I don't think we're going to be able to do it. But with the Holy Spirit, it's absolutely possible. And I think you're better equipped after watching this interview than before you'd seen it. So uh, it's been uh, an honor and a privilege to have you here. I want to show you one thing real quick uh, because uh, Sam Albury did publish another book uh, later in the year through the Gospel Coalition called You're Not Crazy, along with Ray Ortland, another pastor there at Emmanuel 
Nashville with him, and Gospel Sanity for Weary Churches. And this one's largely targeting um, leaders in churches, not just pastors, but you know, leaders. But a uh, good read. Just want to let you know about it, all that he's doing. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, and uh, come back next week. we got a great Christmas program on uh, Monday, number five. Um, so I'm excited. Counting down the best. Great to have you be a part of it. I'll see you next time here on Life Today Live. And truth will be on the soul of your day. Sunday is coming.